Well, good morning. Um, if you've been here any length of time, like maybe back into last semester, like February, you know that we uh, adopted a platoon of Marines that were headed to Afghanistan. And they're all back now. And my son-in-law, Richard, was one of them. And Richard, would you stand up? Rachel, would you stand up with him? They will, uh, I mean, if you want to say hello to him or introduce yourself or ask any questions that he might be able to answer, they'll be over in the coffee area uh, after the service. Um, if, uh, if you've been with us the last three weeks, you know we've been working through a series on um, what it looks like to be a member of this church. And next Sunday, if you're interested, you can come to our membership class, which we'll do right after the second service. And if you're interested in that, you can email Carrie for some more information or to sign up. But for the last few weeks, Jonathan has walked us through uh, really four of the, or three of the four pillars um, or characteristics that we kind of look for, not only in ourselves, but in a member of the church, kind of to know, you know, are, are we healthy? Um, and what Jonathan's already talked about, talked about serving. Uh, you know, if you're a member of the church, there's an expectation you'll be serving in some capacity. It could be with Young Life. It could be uh, with Seven Hills. It could be teaching our children. Uh, it, it could be doing something on a Sunday morning. Um, somebody has to get the coffee ready and the soft drinks out and the ice out. Then we talk about multiplying. And, and for us, because we care deeply about college students and reaching the campus, a lot of multiplying for us, we want to provide mentors, mentors for any college student who wants one. Okay, so there's multiplying. And then there's connecting. Um, a healthy member of this church will be living in community with others. You'll, you'll be living in relationship with others who uh, want to grow in Christ want to serve, want to multiply. Um, so that, that might look like you're in a mentoring relationship or a small group. Uh, you're in some type of a Bible study. Uh, the other of the four we haven't looked at yet and we'll look at today is to grow. And so this is really going to be a two-part message. Uh, the second part will be in two weeks on a Sunday evening, and we call that the marriage experience. We're going to talk about growing in your marriage Today, though, we're going to talk about growing in Christ. And I was thinking that, you know, it's interesting. Um, when it comes to marriage, I think a lot of us, we want to grow in our marriage, but we don't know how to. We don't have the practical skills to communicate, to resolve conflict, to, to listen well, to, um, you know, set goals as a couple, to grow spiritually. Uh, we're, we're not really sure how to do some of those things. So, this next marriage experience we do will be two weeks from now, 5.30 to 8 on the 14th, Sunday evening, and it will include a great dinner, uh, some time to interact with other couples, but then I'm going to take us through some very practical training when it comes to building your marriage, growing your marriage. Uh, and we'll also touch on some things that I, I'm not going to mention this morning. So come sign up for that. Email Carrie if you're interested in membership or marriage experience. But this morning I want to talk about growing in Christ. And again, it's interesting to me. We, we kind of know how to, but we don't want to. I mean, you know what to do. Like if I said, hey, we're going to do a three-point message this morning on how to grow in Christ. You could probably come up with the three points yourself. 
you could probably explain it to someone else. What would it be? Read the Bible, pray, be in a small group. I mean, maybe the third thing would vary a little bit. We know what to do. We just don't want to. Um, I, I know for me, I grew up in New Jersey, going to this church that was, I don't mean to be critical of the church, but I don't think there were any Christians there. And I wasn't one. Um, I, uh, God was just kind of irrelevant. I believe he existed. But if you stop and think about it, it's really crazy to believe that God exists, but then to not really do anything about it. I mean, think about some of the things we were just singing. We were singing about how Christ, you know, he died. He rose from the dead. He, he's coming back again. And the one like, you know, Jesus mystery. I mean, let's be honest. That's a mystery that God himself, God himself would come to planet earth in one of these bodies and, and die in our place. That's either the most fantastic thing you can ever hear or it's a fairy tale. And again, for me growing up, I just didn't have any problem believing God existed. But he just wasn't relevant to my life. I didn't know him. And, uh, and I, was, I was on the broad road. If, if, you want, if you have your worship guide, the verse is there. If you want to look in your Bible, Matthew chapter 7. This is, this is the, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, uh, as it's typically called. And Jesus is speaking and in Matthew 7, kind of toward the end of his, his sermon. He says, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Does that unnerve you a little bit? It does me, I'll be honest. Because this morning I, I could easily be sitting where you are. Listening to this myself. That, that, that causes me a little concern that only a few will enter through the narrow gate or the narrow road. Many are on the broad road, but only a few on the narrow road? A few? Now, I don't want to cause undue worry for anyone, but I, don't, I also don't want to give any of us false hope that just because we come to church and read our Bible once in a while that, that we're on this narrow road. I mean, a little bit later, this, this, this is even more concerning to me. When Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. I call him Lord, Lord. but only he who does the will of my Father. I don't know, it's just interesting to me that we know what to do, we just don't want to. We don't have any desire. We're on the broad road. 
I mean, that was my life for quite a long time, and sometimes it still is. It wasn't until I got to college a long time ago that someone sat me down and explained really in very simple terms what I had never heard before. It was my freshman year at Cornell. It was in uh, February. And a guy on staff with crew set up an appointment with me. And we sat down in the student union, Willard Strait Hall. I still remember the room. I remember sitting at the end of this wooden table. I remember him sitting right there. We were in one of these rooms, kind of loft way up in there. And I remember him just kind of walking through this really simple presentation of the good news. God loves you and he has a plan for your life. But you're sinful. You're, and, and, and so you're separated from him. That's why you're not experiencing it. But the good news is that Christ died for your sin. He died in your place. And then he said, but it's not enough just to know all that. Because that was probably me at that point, walking down that broad road. I knew stuff, but I didn't know this last part. He said, you've got to individually receive Christ. You've got to make a decision. I mean, think about it. The God of the universe dies in our place, and we're like, meh not really relevant to my life. And that's the way I was. I mean, logically, it doesn't make any sense, right? Once you kind of understand it, it doesn't make any sense that, that it wouldn't be relevant to us or that it wouldn't be even the focus of our lives. And, and so he kind of shared this little prayer with me that wasn't any kind of a magic formula, but it was a way just to express the desire of my heart. That if I believed these things, that God loved me and had a plan for my life, but I had messed that up because of sin, I was separated from him, that I could receive his gift of forgiveness by receiving Christ. And so I remember praying that prayer, and, and, and I remember reading every word very slowly and thinking about it very carefully because I knew whatever I was doing was the most important thing I would ever do in my life. This decision to receive Christ. And my life began to change pretty quickly and pretty dramatically. But then that broad road, it still had some appeal to me as a college student. And, And I found myself over the next couple of years, kind of getting back on the broad road. And, and so where are you today? Maybe you're way down the narrow road and that broad road doesn't hold any more temptation for you. But maybe you feel like I do sometimes and you're thinking, isn't there more? Like, think about it. If Christ lives in you, shouldn't it make more of a difference? I ask myself that. Like, I mean, we believe that the God of the universe, the creator, came and took up residence in our lives. But shouldn't it, shouldn't we look more different than we do? Act more different? I mean, what? So that's what I want to look at today. Why don't we? Why don't we want to? We know what to do. 
Again, unlike marriage where sometimes we're just not sure what these skills look like. We want a better marriage. We're just not sure how to get it. But we know how to get the better relationship with Christ. We just don't want it. So let's look at why and what we can do about it. Um, we're going to start in Deuteronomy chapter 6. So if you have your Bible, you can go look there. It'll be on the screen. I didn't get it into your worship guide. In uh, Deuteronomy 6, we're going to start in verse 4. And, and Deuteronomy, this is, uh, I mean, if you remember, Israel has come out of Egypt. They were making their way to the promised land. Moses is leading them through the desert. And... They're about to enter the promised land, the land that God had promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And right before they go in, Moses sends out 12 spies. And they come back after 40 days with this really good report. And they say, hey, this land, I mean, it's everything we thought. It's awesome. But the people there are really big and powerful, and the cities are fortified, so we can't take them. We, we, we shouldn't even try and two guys, two out of the 12, Joshua and Caleb, they're like, no, we can take them. Let's go take the land that God is giving us. But the 10 were so scared that they got the whole nation worked up. And they got so worked up, so scared, so angry that they wanted to kill Moses and Joshua and Caleb. So God steps in and he says, okay, for your unbelief, for not believing me, out into the desert you will stay. And they went back into the desert, and most of them died there over the next 40 years. This, Deuteronomy 6, we have now come full circle. We are back on the eastern edge of the Jordan River. They're camped in the land of Moab, and they are about to cross the Jordan now and take the land that God had promised to them, the land they could have had 40 years earlier. And now Moses is giving them some final instructions. Deuteronomy is really a series of messages, sermons that Moses is giving the nation. And so in chapter 6, verse 4, he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now I want to stop there for a minute because I know for me, uh, and I don't know why the translators did it this way. I don't, I don't know why when they translated the Bible from Hebrew to English that they gave us Lord in all capital letters. When you see that, that's Yahweh or Jehovah, depending on how you, you pronounce it. I, don't, I know for me, when I see Lord, that, that sounds like a title, doesn't it? The Lord our God. It just doesn't sound even personal to me. Hero Israel, Yahweh our God, Yahweh is one. He's one. There's, there aren't many gods. There's one God. He has a name. You know, I mean, think about it. Everything came into existence at a point in time from nothing. I mean, that's what we believe. We believe this one God named Yahweh, created everything there is at a certain point in time from nothing. And I was thinking about it the other day, and the alternative to believing that is that everything that exists came into being at a point in time but doesn't have a cause. 
I mean, which one is harder to believe? That everything came from nothing and God was the cause or everything came from nothing and there is no cause and we don't even understand how there could have been a cause and what was before the cause. But the Lord is one. Yahweh is one. And, and he created us and we belong to him. I mean, how often do I forget that? Colossians 1.16 says, All things were created by him and for him. I mean, I don't even exist for me. I, I was created by someone else for his pleasure. I belong to him. But on the broad road, I forget that. The broad road. And here's the thing with the broad road. The broad road looks to us like it's leading to life. And along the way, there's all these billboards that promise life. And the narrow road, it looks like the road to death. And, and, I, and honestly, it is. I mean, Jesus said, if you want to come after me, you have to deny yourself and you have to take up your cross and follow me. Like, who wants, I mean, they knew when he said take up your cross, that meant death. We don't want that. The, the, road, the narrow road, it looks like death. But it's really the road to life. But we're over here on this broad road. And again, I'm sitting where you are today. We're over, I'm over here with you. We get on this broad road and, and we think it's the way to life and it's going to end in destruction. Verse 5, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And I love this part. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. I mean, we don't do that. I mean... I mean, talk about them. It used to bother me so much when I would lead small groups years ago that we'd all get together and everybody would roll in about, you know, over about a 40-minute period. Some were early or some were on time, some were just a little late, and some were very late. But it didn't matter because about over a 40-minute period, everybody would roll in and the topic of conversation was usually uh, football or the economy uh, or politics, or work. I mean, the guys would be in one room talking about those things, and, and at least at our stage in life, the, the women would be in the other room talking about probably kids and whatever. I, I know you talk about other things, but I don't know what they are right now. Um, but then, you know, as my job as a small group leader was to put an end to all the fun and say, hey, come on, we got to go do the lesson now. And as soon as the lesson was over, everybody went back to talking about what was really meaningful, football and the economy and politics and work. We didn't want to talk about the one true God who has a claim on our lives and for whom we exist
I mean, I don't, I don't know what that looks like for you to practically live out verses uh, 6 to 9. how you'll talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up and how you'll tie them as symbols. I mean, the broad road has a way of really distracting and deceiving us because it's promising life. It just can't ever deliver it. Um, flip over to Deuteronomy 8 for a moment. Um, I'm not going to mention that, but if you are a vendor for that product, I don't mean anything personally. Um, here's the thing. It's like, it's like God's holding out to us this offer of a really good meal. Like, I don't know what your favorite meal is. Mine would probably be a ribeye, medium on the grill, um, Maybe some grilled asparagus with it. Uh, maybe some, you know, roasted potatoes. And I love bread. Really what I love is butter. And so um, <laughs> a little bit of bread with huge globs of butter. Like when I go to IHOP, I always get the harvest grain and nut pancakes, but I always tell them extra butter. And I use it all. I mean, I love butter. So butter and a ribeye and grilled asparagus and some potatoes and a little bit of bread to go with the butter. Now, that's what God is, that's like what he's offering to us. And then we say, yeah, but you know what? Um, I've already eaten. Um, I've eaten. And he says, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years. Why? Why did he lead them? To humble them and test them in order to know what was in their hearts. Whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known. Why did he feed them with manna? To teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. That's the feast on the narrow road. But we, we like, we like the stuff on the, on the broad road. And so there's this offer of life and being able to feast on Christ and experience everything we truly desire is on that narrow road. And Christ is inviting us to come to him. I like the broad road. And he's saying, come to me. Feast on every word that comes from my mouth. And you'll experience life. No, I'm good. I'm good on the broad road. I mean, we... You would think it would go down easier because on the outside, they're oily. <laughs> and you can actually see the oil on the package now that I look at it in this light. But we like the pleasures on the broad road. We like the girlfriend 
and the boyfriend we have on the broad road. And we like all the other things. Abroad. We like the cars we can get on the broad road and the, the houses, the big houses. And it just never fulfills. I mean, this isn't good nutrition. And, that, and that, that's what the, the broad road, it promises life, but it can't ever deliver. And what you find on the broad road, you find these idols and these other gods that we create for ourselves. All those things I just mentioned. And we think for a time they're going to bring life to us, that they're going to satisfy. But they never do. They can't. They, they, they promise life and then they deliver destruction ultimately. Now, that doesn't mean you can't drive a nice car and have a nice house. That's not what I'm saying. But where do you go? Where do you go for relief? When you feel stressed or pressured, where do you go? So to a person, some pleasure? Where do you spend most of your thought life? Is it on what you want? What you seek, what, what, what you want to have, this thing you've got to have that will give you life? If it's anything other than Christ that you're seeking to give you life, and fulfillment, and peace, and joy, then you're on the broad road, and you're buying into the lie that this is going to satisfy you. And here's the problem with an idol. An idol becomes an addiction, becomes a stronghold, and that thing that we thought would give us life, it doesn't deliver, it can't. And it always demands more of us. It provided a little bit of temporary life, but it can't keep it up. And so we need more of it and more of it and more of it. When the Lord your God, this is verse 10 back in Deuteronomy 6. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give you a land with large flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget Yahweh who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. That's the thing. We just forget him. Because the broad road is so enticing, and, and we think, like, I wonder how many people thought, you know, X amount of dollars would make them happy, and this certain size house, or car, or job, or boyfriend, or girlfriend, or husband, or wife, or kids that obeyed and got certain grades, and were in certain activities, and got certain honors, thought that would be the thing that would make me happy and fulfilled and provide life, and then found out, oh, that wasn't enough. Well, if you're on the broad road, you only have one choice. Get more of those things, and maybe that will work. 
But how many times do we hear stories of somebody who seemingly got all those things and then killed themselves? Like I've always thought the worst possible thing that could happen to someone would be to get everything they always wanted and then find out they still weren't happy. What would you do then? Well, I know what you would do. The narrow road is always an invitation. Have you ever noticed Jesus is not very demanding? He doesn't coerce. He doesn't shout. He never stands in your way, waving his arms, saying, hey, hey, stop, stop what you're doing. It's this, it's this little voice. It says, come on, the narrow road. This is where life is found. Seek me here. And we know that. We know that. The broad road just deceives us. You know, the one person in the whole universe that has a right to be proud is God, right? I mean, if, you've, if you spoke everything into existence, you'd be pretty proud. I would be. But God is not. Isn't that crazy? Philippians 2 says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, God in the flesh, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. And then in verse 8, he humbled himself. The one person who could demand that we do life his way doesn't, but he invites And so the band is going to come up, and we're going to, we're going to do one more song. And uh, I want to invite you, obviously, to sing, to worship. But a few years ago, I had put together something that I called Title Deed to My Life. And um, I thought about not handing it out today because, well, I've already done this. But then I thought, you know, my life, my... Um, my default is I'm out of balance. Uh, I'm out of alignment. Like this morning, um, I had to go and uh, my front left tire was really low on air. And you know what happens. I mean, the car starts pulling that direction, right? I had to go put air in it. So whether your, your, your tire's low on air, or your car's out of alignment, what happens? Just to stay straight, you've got to hold the wheel this way. And what I've found in my life when I do this, I just drift off into, well, the broad road. That's my default. My life is out of balance. My life, my life, because of this nature I was born with and you were born with, when we take our hands off the wheel of our lives and we are not intentional about choosing the narrow road, we naturally drift over here to the broad road and we look for life there. And it will never be found there. It looks like it will be found there, but if Jesus is telling the truth, it ends in destruction. Ultimate destruction, but then also destruction in this life. We have to choose 
again, because we're in this flesh. We have this nature that wants to just get its needs met how it wants to get its needs met. And so we've got to continually hold the wheel. When you relax, broad road. And so I put this together, and uh, you don't have to do it. It's going to be up here during the song if you want to come up and, uh, and take one. And there's a place for you to sign it and a place for somebody to witness it. And, and what I've realized, this is not a once-in-time decision. You might have to do this every week, every day, moment by moment. But I think sometimes it helps to just kind of read through something like this and say, okay, am I going to choose the narrow road or am I just going to continue to take the, my hands off the wheel of my life and I'm just going to cruise along on this broad road and see where it takes me? The other reason I had decided maybe I wouldn't hand, hand this out today is because some of these have smudges on them. Uh, like on your worship guide, you probably see some smudges and lines. That's not some new distressed look we're going with. That's a printer. Um, but I thought, you know what? These have some smudges, but so do you. So do I. My life is a smudge sometimes. And it's okay that this has a couple smudges on it. So if you want one, if you want to choose the narrow road during this song, I just invite you to come up and, and take one. Lord, we, uh, we are people that we are far too easily satisfied. I am. I'll let uh, football or pleasures or whatever try to satisfy me and bring me life, but those things, they never last. They don't ultimately provide joy or fulfillment or purpose. Those things are just found on the narrow road where you, you beckon and you call to us and you invite us to come and feast on you and your word and experience life. Lord, here we are. We want you. We know what to do. We just sometimes don't want to do it. And so I pray today for many of us, this would be maybe the, the first day in wanting to. Amen.